Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. And welcome to this talk, which is entitled Philosophy and Gratitude. My name is Conal Clancy, for those of you who don't know me, and I'm a student here in the school, just like yourselves. The idea for this evening's topic came when I read an autobiography of a remarkable man called Andrew Bienkowski. His book, which I can highly recommend, is called The Greatest Gift. And it tells the story of his life starting as a child in exile from Poland in Siberia. He grew up to become a psychotherapist. And in the book, as well as telling his life story, he also sets out certain qualities that he thinks are important for a useful and happy life. So he deliberately starts with gratitude, and he says it's the first quality necessary for a successful life. Why does he say this? Is there something special about gratitude? It was this preeminence of gratitude that intrigued me. So we might like to bear this in mind throughout the evening. Is there something special about gratitude? So over the past several months, I've done some research on what gratitude is, as well as some reflection, and of course I've attempted to practice it. And the most revealing things over the months have been my undoubted need to be more grateful, secondly that I have so much to be grateful for, and thirdly that with practice gratitude grows. Hopefully this evening you will not hear a lecture on gratitude, to the extent that there are any definitive statements, they will come not from me but from authoritative sources. I would prefer to concentrate on questions which may lead us to these sources. And the evening will be successful, I believe, if we do not arrive at any conclusions and if we leave with an open mind and a curiosity to discover more in practice. The structure of the talk will be as follows. Firstly, we will consider the nature of gratitude so that we're all talking about the same thing. Then we will ask, what is there to be grateful for? Next, we will look at the expression of gratitude. And finally, we will look at its effects on our lives and on the lives of others. So, let us begin by asking, what is gratitude and what is its nature? Look up a dictionary and we will find the word thankful or appreciative. Look up the history of the word in an etymological dictionary and we find it is related to grace. And in this context, grace is a gift. A definition from clinical psychology is that gratitude is a feeling which arises when people receive valuable help at a cost to the benefactor with no ulterior motive. We are usually thankful for gifts. So gratitude acknowledges the gifts that we are given in our lives. This has the effect of taking the focus off me. An interesting thing about gratitude is that it is never directed inwards or to oneself. And this, I think, may be the first clue as to why gratitude is so important. To understand gratitude a bit more, it might be useful to look at its opposites. One of the opposites of gratitude is obviously ingratitude. To be ungrateful for what we have, to reject any connection between everything we have been given and the source. One symptom of ingratitude is to be plagued by the desire for more. Do we ever find this? 
is there anyone here who has enough? How much more would enough have to be? And if we already have more than we need, is there no amount more that can ever satisfy? If we want to go further, we could include complaining or finding fault with. Think of all the things we complain about. The traffic, the weather, other people's behaviour, not aligning perfectly with my expectations. The list is endless. The complaining does not make us any happier, nor does it bring about any change. It's simply a waste of emotional energy, making it more difficult for us to love and be happy. If we want to go even further, we could look at, say, envy and jealousy. But we won't go there. The other opposite of gratitude is to take for granted, to ignore all that we have been given. It's a form of ignorance. And from a practical, philosophical viewpoint, that is a mortaler. We sometimes think ignorance is a lack of knowledge, which it may be, but it's also an activity, like sticking our head in the mud and keeping it there. Taking for granted also denies that what we have got we have been given. It arises when we think we deserve what we have, or when we do not really appreciate what we do have. One only has to consider the life of some misfortunate to appreciate how blessed we are. And taking for granted is also a pretty good indication that we have more than we need. Now, an opposite of this is to acknowledge, to see what we already have. Ordinarily, the most accurate occasion of seeing something is when we see it for the first time. Then we have no preconceived ideas. We just see it. And the result is a sense of wonder or awe. What is your experience in such situations? Mine is that the mind temporarily short-circuits, as it were, and there's a direct experience of reality without the clouding lens of a thinking mind. According to a man called the Shankaracharya, and to anyone who's not familiar with the school of philosophy, he's a wise sage to whom the school of philosophy has gone to for answers when it has philosophical questions. According to him, the question immediately arises, what is the source of such beautiful scenes? And he continues, but if you don't have the sense of wonder at the beauty of creation, then immediately some attachment prevails. This attachment will be in the form of either attraction or aversion. In that case, the beauty is, he says, polluted. So, he says, one should cultivate this feeling of wonder at creation in whatever form it may present itself. Enjoy the beauty, and by doing so, you will enhance it. Einstein said, referring to life, that either none of it is a miracle or all of it is a miracle. Imagine seeing everything as a miracle. Perhaps this is what a child does, and that is why life is so wonderful for a child. Also, the possibility is that we can be grateful over and over again, just as a child can get pleasure from the same joke over and over again. 
Imagine what value we would get from anything if it yielded pleasure, happiness and satisfaction again and again and again. It would be like finding the goose that lays the golden egg. Both these opposites seem to suggest that gratitude requires us to acknowledge a dependence on something other than ourselves, something greater than ourselves, a connection outside oneself, or maybe a requirement for a different viewing point. But the next question about gratitude is to do with its duration. Is it discrete, with a beginning and an end point, or could it be something more substantial, like an outlook, or a starting point, or a cornerstone? Is it a momentary, temporary response, or is it something more, like a way of life? I came across an interesting quote from an Indian monk called Sri Chinmoy, who said, Gratitude should be unconditional. If we are grateful because somebody has done us a favour, this is good. But it is not the highest form of gratitude. If we only express gratitude when we benefit, it is a limited form of gratitude. Real gratitude is a spontaneous feeling of appreciation and oneness. When we cultivate this kind of gratitude, we live in harmony with the underlying nature of the universe. I'll just read the last line again. Real gratitude is a spontaneous feeling of appreciation and oneness. When we cultivate this kind of gratitude, we live in harmony with the underlying nature of the universe. And if I can come back to Bienkowski for a minute, he says that gratitude is focusing on our haves rather than our wants. Now, a have is very different from a want or a have-not. I mean, my job, I often get the chance to offer children sweets from a bag of Starbursts. And if you know Starbursts, you'll know that each flavour is individually wrapped in a different coloured wrapper. And it's very interesting to watch the children who are satisfied with the flavour they're given and the ones who want a different flavour or even a different type of sweet. Guess who's the happier? The happier ones accept the gift as it is given, the others do not accept it as it is given, and as a result are a little less happy. Note the word accept. Do we accept our lives as they are given, or are we always demanding a so-called better one? So what is our definition and understanding of gratitude going to be? We can have a very small view or a larger one. The other important point to note is that the choice is ours. We make the decision every moment. Our choice may put limits on gratitude with certain consequences, as we will see later on. And I'd like to conclude this section by telling you a little story. It's a true story. A few months ago, I was asked to attend a meeting after work on a Friday. And I had misgivings about the meeting, about its usefulness. I didn't think there was going to be of any value. And I was also going away for the weekend, and I was short of time. Anyway, I decided to attend. It was a wet afternoon, and I had to cycle from here to the venue, which is a mile away, on my bicycle. I arrived ten minutes early, fairly wet, and I thought, right, I'll buy a latte and something to eat, because I'm not sure when I'm going to eat again. 
and I'll chew it through the meeting. And as I went through the door, somebody said, are you here for the meeting? And they continued on, the one that's cancelled. I didn't believe them. I continued walking into the building and I found the secretary and I finally got the message that the meeting had been cancelled. So here I am soaking wet on a Friday afternoon with a coffee I don't really need and injured pride because I'm the only one who didn't get notice of the cancellation. So I threw the coffee in the bin and I started to cycle home. And as I was cycling home, I was aware of the mind switching every minute or so between two states. One was gratitude for getting my time back, and the other one was anger because of the way I felt I'd been mistreated. And the mind kept switching from one state to the other. When I was grateful, I was happy, and when I was angry, I wasn't. And it was all as simple as that. There seemed to be a clear choice. I couldn't choose the events, but I could choose the response. So, is gratitude a platform on which we could build our day or our life? And if gratitude is not the platform, what is the platform on which we build our day and maybe our life? Is there something special about gratitude. And anything you could build a life on would be considered special. So that's the end of that first section. What I'd like to do now is to consider what we might be grateful for. Is there anything to be grateful for? What sort of things would we include and what would we exclude? These might seem like stupid questions, but given that we take so much for granted, it might be useful to ask them. Ordinarily, I think I ought to be grateful for undeserved benefits or free things, things for which I have no right, as distinct to things which are earned like a salary or something which is bought in a shop. And this would be in line with the clinical definition which we looked at earlier, which talked about valuable help. So I could divide events, as it were, into those which might require some gratitude because I was not entitled to them and others which do not require gratitude because I am entitled to them. So, for example, if I buy a muffin and I get one free with the first one, I would be grateful for the second muffin but not the first. But is this reasonable? Is there another possibility? Does gratitude apply to the first muffin as well? Is there any difference between the two muffins? And I don't usually think that there might be one category and that everything could fall into that one category. It's usually these things I'm grateful for, these things I don't need to be grateful for. So let's categorise for a minute and look at some things that we might be grateful for. Consider basic things like life, existence, the body we inhabit, and all the amazing things that it can do, the air that we breathe, movement, eyesight, and the other four senses, the ability to feel, laugh, the power of the mind to reason, just basic things 
nothing special. So, next let's look at physical things, like the very, very, very precise temperature of the sun, which stops us from freezing or frying. The laws of gravity, which literally keep our feet on the ground. Water, plants that provide our food, jaw-dropping scenery, or the laws of aerodynamics that allow a plane weighing, what, 90 tonnes or more, to fly. And how I can speak into a little box and someone over in Australia can hear me. What about man-made facilities? Things like electricity networks, drainage systems, sewage disposal plants. I've never been particularly grateful for those. And yet, take them away and life as we know it would grind to a halt. Finally, what about people who love us, without whom we would have a very lonely life? The pleasure of a hug, the care of a friend. What about the people we may love and how much joy they have brought to us? There are so many things to be grateful for. So it isn't hard to come up with a long, long list. And so far we have mentioned things which are pretty significant. So you might say, well, that's straightforward. But what about ordinary things? Like a blue bottle buzzing around in the kitchen. Or a cup of tea. Or a pair of socks. Or worms. But worms are nature's digestive system. They transform old matter into new, death into life. They consume waste matter and out comes soil. So you take away worms and you don't have nature's recycling system. Albert Schweitzer said, to educate yourself for the feeling of gratitude means to take nothing for granted. Nothing that is done for you is a matter of course. Everything originates in a will for the good which is directed at you. So far, so good, but we've only considered good things. What about the opposite of good things, bad things? Should we be grateful for things like pollution, crime and global warming? Is there a case to be made for getting up in the morning and saying, thank you God for everything? Well, all of these things tell us that there's something wrong somewhere in our relationship with others or the environment. And then we have the chance to do something about it. So, aren't these apparently bad things really good? They inform us of our errors, and if we were not informed, we would simply continue in ignorance. And what about some of the personal unpleasant things in life? For instance, surely we don't need to be grateful for physical pain. Surely when Albert Schweitzer said, take nothing for granted, he didn't mean it literally. But consider pain. It is a message from the nervous system telling us there's something wrong with the body that needs to be looked at. Without pain, we would not know that the body needed attention and it might get worse. So pain is like an alarm bell, something to be grateful for. If it did not go off, we would not be aware of the problem. So can we be grateful for pain? As regards bad situations in which we find ourselves, the following quotation might be helpful. I once was distraught because I had no shoes until I met a man who had no feet. And what about famine, for instance, in Sudan? Well, 
unless we are in the Sudan now suffering famine, we're not in a position to judge it from that viewpoint. But from where we are now, we could be grateful for the famine in Sudan because it might remind us of how fortunate we are and from that might follow a decision to help those in need. Gratitude is about our life now, not someone else's somewhere else. And I'd like to finish just talking about this section with another little story, and it's a true story as well. Many years ago, we went on a family holiday to Portugal, and we had four children, and the youngest two were one, so they were twins, and they were on our laps. There was a three-year-old and there was a five-year-old. And the flight from Dublin to Faro, you may know, it's just meant to be four hours, uh, taking off at nine o'clock in the morning, and we'd be having lunch by the pool just after midday, I thought. Unfortunately, there was fog in Faro, and we had to circle a little, just to let the fog lift. And two hours later, fuel was running low on the plane, so we diverted to Lisbon, where we had to wait on the plane, because the terminal was already full from previously diverted airplanes. There was no food on the plane, because it was only a short trip, and it was August, so it was really, really hot outside and inside. And we'd only brought enough supplies for a short flight. So you can imagine the state of the aeroplane as time passes by. After a four-hour wait, so that's now eight hours from takeoff, after a four-hour wait, the pilot announced that we had refueled and would be taking off again for Pharaoh. Once again, we had to circle at Pharaoh, only to return to Lisbon. <laughs> Just after we landed, the pilot announced that the fog had lifted, but unfortunately he was not allowed to fly anymore that day, so we would have to spend the night in Lisbon. So was there anything to be grateful for? Well, on the surface it was the flight from hell, 13 hours on a plane with four young children. But my memory of the trip is that it was the best flight I've ever had. Because once it became clear that nothing could be done about the situation, everybody settled down and started to talk to one another. People helped each other. When we finally got off the plane 13 hours later, everybody was helping each other with everybody else's baggage. It was just a very, very unusual, strange situation. And by this stage now, it was about midnight. So... Maybe it was midnight by the time we got to our hotel. But I wouldn't swap that flight for any other flight. For me, it was the greatest flight I've ever been on because of the way everybody gelled together. There's also the case of a lady who was granted a wish by God and could have anything she wanted. She chose adversity and explained that it was only in adversity that she remembered God. Whenever a person remembers God, they are happy if adversity is one means to God and thus to happiness, would it not make sense to be grateful for it? If we look in the Old Testament, we see that the book of Psalms could easily have been called the book of gratitude. So often does the phrase, give thanks, occur. And this is echoed in the New Testament in the letter to the Thessalonians, where St. Paul says, in all things give thanks. So where are we? We've considered the nature of gratitude and asked the question, is there anything to be grateful for? And it might appear that there are 
a lot of things that we could be grateful for. And at this stage you might think that we are being led to the question, is there anything at all not to be grateful for? Well, the mind will answer yes or no, but what does that prove? Surely the answer is to be found in experience, by experimenting, by expanding our gratitude circle, and by finding out, is there anything not to be grateful for? If we discover in practice that there is everything to be grateful for, what are the implications? Does it mean that everything is perfect? Everything. Does it then follow that gratitude implies acceptance? And so we come back to this sort of sub-question, subtitle to the talk tonight, is there something special about gratitude? Well, the next stage is to consider if there is a need to be grateful, and if so, how may gratitude be expressed? If we don't practice gratitude, what do we practice? What are the alternatives to gratitude? And who would want to practice these? Who would want to practice these and expect to be happy? Or do we practice nothing? Can we be grateful and at the same time want something more or different? And it's very interesting that there's a lot of things that gratitude doesn't go with. Imagine being grateful and angry. Hard to imagine. Or grateful and depressed. Or grateful and selfish. So gratitude is good at keeping unhelpful attitudes at bay. So how can we practice gratitude? Bienkowski says that we have to actively cultivate gratitude. To actively cultivate gratitude. What we don't cultivate doesn't grow and what we neglect dies. With the death of gratitude comes the death of enjoyment and appreciation of our lives. Meister Eckert, a renowned German mystic, says that the most important prayer in the world is just two words, thank you. Imagine if instead of interpreting every situation as good or bad, we accepted it as a blessing, perhaps in disguise, but a blessing nevertheless. We are probably familiar with the old saying, count your blessings. In considering the practice of gratitude, we come to a fundamental issue. Is the feeling of gratitude sufficient? Is gratitude real without expression? Is it true gratitude if it is not expressed? Someone once said that feeling gratitude and not expressing it is like wrapping a present and not giving it. Or that silent gratitude isn't of much use to anyone. So the question is, without expression, can there be gratitude? Say somebody is grateful to you and you don't know it because they have not expressed it, can you benefit from that gratitude? Obviously not. And how will the heart feel if the gratitude is not expressed? Will there be an incompleteness or some dissatisfaction? I remember having a fabulous English teacher for the Leaving Cert years ago and feeling extremely grateful for what he had done for me. And I knew that I ought to go and thank him in person. And I didn't do it. 
And every time I remember this, I know it was a mistake not to have thanked him in person. And there's nothing I can do about it now, that's just life. But there's some element of incompleteness about it. Gratitude is not just through words. We can express gratitude through good and full utilisation. We can be grateful for health by living well. We can be grateful for wealth by spending wisely. We can be grateful for love by loving at least as much in return. Let's just assume for the moment that gratitude requires expression and that without expression it's incomplete. So how would we practice? If we decide then, right, it has to be practiced, how would we practice it? Well, there's loads and loads of different practices and I'm just going to mention four. The first one is start the day by counting your blessings. Second one is to remember thank you, the most important prayer in the world, according to Meister Eckhart, and at the end of the day, say thank you for all that was received. Third, there is good in all situations. Find it. Stop being irritated by small things. Accept, truly accept everything as it is. And finally, show your gratitude. Express it. Well, this talk, as you know, is organised by the School of Philosophy, which has an emphasis on the practice of philosophy. So the emphasis on practice. So what's the connection between practical philosophy and gratitude? Well, there was a, a Greek philosopher called Epictetus, and he influenced Marcus Aurelius. And this is what he said. He is a wise man who does not grieve for things which he has not, but rejoices for those which he has. So there's the starting point. Rejoice, don't grieve. So when is the last time that we could say we rejoiced? Well, Marcus Aurelius, his student, he used to write out a list expressing his gratitude to all the people from whom he had learned his various virtues. And he was known as the philosopher emperor. So find a way to express that joy. It can start with something simple like a smile or a thank you. As A.J. Cronin, a Scottish novelist, once said, gratitude is something of which none of us can give too much. For on the smiles, the thanks we give, our little gestures of appreciation, our neighbours build their philosophy of life. End of quote. Grateful people spread happiness. Wouldn't we like to be someone who brings happiness wherever we go? Charles Swindle, an American pastor, said, The longer I live, the more I realise the impact of attitude on life. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or say or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness or skill. The remarkable thing is, he continues, we have a choice every day of our lives regarding the attitude we embrace for that day. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play on the one string we have, and that is our attitude. He says, I'm convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes.
end of quote. So we might like to consider adopting the attitude of gratitude. To whom might one be grateful? Is it to someone or something greater? Is it to an individual or to God? The Shankaracharya has this to say. Whatever we receive for our own use, we should regard it as a gift from the Almighty. We own nothing. We use everything with permission and not as owners. Whatever you do, you should first offer it and make it a gift. This purifies your mind and your body becomes more eligible for God's spiritual roles. End of quote. If you think of the old custom of grace before and after meals, we get a sense of gratitude and to whom it is due. Even though we may feel grateful to those who have gone before us, like Mozart or our parents, it may not be possible to express our gratitude directly to our apparent benefactors. But they were God's agents, and God has countless agents today to whom we may express gratitude. How can we be grateful for the earth? There's a North American Indian saying which gives us a clue, and it goes like this. We do not inherit the land from our ancestors. We borrow it from our children. It implies that it's not enough to say thanks for the earth as we plunder it. We must plant trees under whose shade we will not sit. We must leave the world not just a better person, but a better place. When is the best time to be grateful? Is it at the end of the activity or throughout it? Or maybe in advance? Or any time? For instance, is it possible to be grateful right now? Try it. Simply reflect for a moment and find something to be grateful for. What was our experience? Was it a unifying or a dividing experience? Did it connect us or did we remain disconnected? Did we puff up with pride or was there some humility? Did it feel good or bad? Is the glass half full or half empty? Or is it overflowing? In society today, we will, though, have to swim against the tide. The Western world is built on the idea of a deficit. That is, we do not have enough now and are therefore incomplete. Success is about more. So gratitude must be postponed until we get whatever we think we lack. This is the prevalent idea that we have to overcome. Gratitude goes in a completely opposite direction and asserts that we lack nothing, that we are rich, not poor, that we are happy, not unhappy, that we are complete now. So I would just like to finish this section by reading a short extract from a poem called I Thank You God by an American poet called E.E. E. Cummings. 
I thank you, God, for most this amazing day, for the leaping greenly spirits of trees and a blue true dream of sky, and for everything which is natural, which is infinite, which is yes. I, who have died, am alive again today, and this is the sun's birthday. This is the birthday of life and of love and wings and of the gay great happening illimitably earth. Well, given all that has been said so far, the next bit might sound a bit obvious. The final section relates to the question, is gratitude a good idea? What are the effects of being grateful? Would my life or the lives of others be better if I was more grateful? So what are the fruits of gratitude? Bienkowski says that the fruits are a realisation that we are all connected and that therefore we can make a difference. Then our lives have meaning and with meaning comes satisfaction. The Shankaracharya has this to say, when one brings to one's knowledge the different aspects of the glory of the Absolute, then one feels grateful for the bounty which is being provided for the individual, and immediately the hard heart melts. If one feels, however, how little one is compared with the glory of the Absolute, which is being manifested all around, then that will open the heart. So being grateful alone is the key to opening the heart. End of quote. Just that last bit again is being grateful alone is the key to opening the heart. This is obviously important because love can operate only if the heart is open. And our essence is love. But perhaps we would prefer to hear what modern psychology says. If you Google gratitude, the first entry that comes up is the online encyclopedia Wikipedia. And in it there's a meta-article, which is like a summary article, which deals with gratitude and psychology. And it's worth quoting from extensively. So this is what it says. A large body of recent work has suggested that people who are more grateful have higher levels of well-being. Grateful people are happier, less depressed, less stressed and more satisfied with their lives and social relationships. Grateful people also have higher levels of control of their environments, personal growth, purpose in life and self-acceptance. Grateful people have more positive ways of coping with the difficulties they experience in life, being more likely to seek support from other people, reinterpret and grow from the experience, and spend more time planning how to deal with the problem. Grateful people also have less negative coping strategies, being less likely to try to avoid a problem, deny there is a problem, blame themselves or cope through substance use. Grateful people sleep better, and this seems to be because they think less negative and more positive thoughts just before going to sleep. And here's the really interesting bit. Whilst many emotions and personality traits are important for well-being, there is evidence that gratitude may be uniquely important. First, a longitudinal study, that's a study over a long time, showed that people who were more grateful coped better with a life transition. Life transition being, say, unemployment or a major thing. Specifically, people who were more grateful before the transition 
were less stressed, less depressed and more satisfied three months later. Second, two recent studies have suggested that gratitude may have a unique relationship with well-being and can explain aspects of well-being that other personality traits cannot. So, gratitude and happiness seem to hold hands. As Francis Rolls puts it in The Voyage of Discovery, unhappiness is really a lack of gratitude. Or, you cannot be grateful and unhappy at the same time. It is impossible. An Old Testament explanation of what happens is given possibly in the book of Psalms where it says in chapter 22, verse 3, God inhabits the praises of his people. The suggestion being that a latent positive energy is activated when gratitude is active. All the evidence seems to be that gratitude is a good idea. So what comes next? In Bienkowski's book, gratitude is only the beginning. It wakes us up and we then have to decide what to do with the resulting freedom. He says that gratitude leads to a realisation that we are all connected. From that arises a desire to help others and to make a difference, or to have a meaningful life. Or as Albert Einstein put it, only a life lived for others is worth living. So as we come to the end of this talk, it might be useful to summarise without concluding. Gratitude acknowledges all we have been given. Gratitude is an attitude. Gratitude is an essential step on the journey to discovering the truth about ourselves, which is the purpose of human life. Gratitude can be a platform for life. True gratitude is expressed. If we don't practice gratitude, we will practice something else. Gratitude and happiness seem to be closely related and we choose. So let's come back to why Bienkowski thinks that gratitude is so fundamental. And why did Cicero say gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues but the parent of all others? And why do modern psychologists rank it so highly? Well, the purpose of this evening is to whet our appetite to discover what gratitude is, to send us away with a keen sense that gratitude just might be very important to a happy and useful life and to discovering the purpose of life and to have a determination to find out in practice the secret of gratitude. So finally, what is the answer to the question, is there something special about gratitude? And We've run out of time, so we're going to stop there. And you might like to consider it over the break. Come back in maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and we'll consider whatever questions you have. Is that okay? Very good. Thank you. So, what questions are there? You said you've been considering this for some months. What are the direct experience of a change or a difference or an improvement that you've had? 
Well, the experience is that I could be a lot more grateful. There is scope for improvement. And the experience also is that there are lots and lots of things to be grateful for that I am not usually grateful for. Little examples would be like just cycling down the road and feeling the wind blowing into me and being aware of that and just knowing that that's fantastic. Or sometimes at work, I'm a primary school teacher, so sometimes at work some of the children would press my buttons, as it were, okay? And sometimes I would be grateful for that, but, and sometimes I wouldn't be. And when I'm not grateful for it, I always realise afterwards that that was a mistake. And when I'm grateful for it, it's just a totally different situation. It's like a different viewing point. Or, for instance, if I can remember going into a shop and being served by someone, and ordinarily I would take this person for granted, Like, I wouldn't see any need, as it were. This is a commercial transaction. And then, just being grateful, it was like being on a different planet. Suddenly, everything changed. Everything was transformed. So, it's little things like that on a moment-to-moment basis. That's what it was all about. Does that answer your question? Yeah? Okay, you're welcome. Yeah? My name is Sean. This is a very serious comment on my part that, I must say, I was very refreshed by what you had to say because I belong to the whinging brigade in this society <laughs> whose constant whinge and moans from turning on the radio in the morning to Morning Ireland, which is a litany of woes and one disaster after another. There's not a mention of gratitude or appreciation. So I think what we should consider tonight, half-jokingly, by the way, is we should leave the room tonight resolute and form a movement of national gratitude yeah? but more seriously more seriously though I listened very closely to what you had to say and so on and my question is how do you initiate yourself into feelings of gratitude what kind of levers what kind of magic wands in short you know what I'm trying to get at how do you work yourself into that state well there were four possibilities given earlier on in the talk. The first one was when you wake up in the morning time just to count your blessings. So even to wake up is a blessing. To be able to get out of bed is a blessing because lots of people can't. The second one is at the end of the day to say thank you for everything that was received. The third one is to look for the good in all situations and just to find it because in all situations there is some good. And the fourth one is to make the effort to express gratitude. It's so easy not to express it, I find, and I have to make an effort to express it. So there is no magic solution, but it's worth the effort. Does that make sense? And it's just like anything. You just start, and it's hard at first, hard to remember. Like, for instance, coming back here tonight, I... This is terrible to say, but I had to force myself. It didn't take a huge amount of effort. I had to force myself to say thank you to the lady who was serving the tea at the break. I was just about to walk by and say nothing. Does that make sense? And it took a little bit of effort. It would have been so easy to have walked by. It just took a little bit of effort to say thank you. So it's, it's just a bit of effort and a bit of practice is what's needed. Well, that was my experience. That's been my experience since I started looking at these subjects. bit of practice takes a little bit of effort and you get into the swing of it and it's quite sincere as well it's not like have a nice day type of stuff it's real 
Because really, it's only about expressing what's in your heart. So it has to be in your heart first before you can express it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah? Thank you. Fiona. I was thinking, which comes first, gratitude or kindness? Does one engender the other? Which comes first, gratitude or... Which comes first, gratitude or kindness? And is it a closed circle in a sense? And then there's another question, which is... To be grateful for situations which are clearly not good. Or possibly... There would be very little to be grateful in them. For instance, the children... Pushing your buttons, which happens to us all who have children. Would you be grateful for them not pushing your buttons? Or are you grateful... But when they push your buttons that you have buttons to push or can you just describe the gratefulness part? Well, <laughs> Maybe not that specific one but Well in the terms of pupils pushing buttons I'm grateful when they don't push them because I have a very pleasant time but I'm also grateful sometimes when they push them because it's like an alarm bell ringing like why am I getting upset because a child is behaving in a particular way well it's obviously I have some idea of good or bad that the child's not being malicious, they're just expressing some need in a particular way which I don't like. So when I'm in top form with lots of energy, it doesn't upset me. So it tells me something. So I'm grateful for that. That's answering the second question first. The first question, which comes first? Well, Bienkowski says that gratitude comes first. I'm just wondering, is there a difference between gratitude and kindness? Maybe kindness is a form of gratitude. Would you see them differently? Yes. <laughs> and uh, would gratitude not lead to kindness? That's what I think they are twins. Well, who, which was born first? For instance, I'm just thinking truly compassionate people respond to the humanness in another, doesn't matter if they're alcoholics or whatever. Yes. They just see the essence of the person. Yeah. And they respond with genuine kindness. Yeah. And I'm wondering, is that predicated on gratitude? Which is what Bienkowski was saying, apparently. Um, I don't know. Maybe it is, or maybe it mightn't matter too much. I mean, if one was a compassionate person, that might be another path to finding the meaning of life. Mm. Um, so maybe they're the same, maybe they're different. There's an interesting story that comes to mind when you talk about when you're faced with situations that it wouldn't seem one should be grateful for. You may have heard the story of a party and everybody was invited to the party and they were asked to bring along something that they would really like to be rid of okay, in their lives. So everybody came along with something and you put it into the centre table and you had to pick up something else then. So you would take up somebody else's unwanted thing, you see. So everybody came along, they put their stuff in the middle of the table and they had a look around, they rummaged around what else was on the table and then they just picked up their own one, took it away with them. So it could be that we sort of think that, you know, I really have it tough compared to everybody else, and that might not be the case. It's just a particular viewing point. And if the viewing point is different, then the situation changes. Like, you know, you can be miserable if the weather is bad, but you don't have to be miserable. I woke up this morning, and I woke up to a 5% pay cut or an 8% pay cut, and, uh, and <laughs> well, I just thought, what was the point in getting upset about it? It really has to do with your outlook. So you can get up and 
see things one way or you can see things the other way. And depending on how you see them, that's how the day unfolds. But the weather doesn't necessarily get better. I'm still unhappy with the answer about bad things. I mean, things that seem bad. For instance, if you were treated badly at the hands of somebody, what's there to be grateful about that? Well, I think it depends how you respond. Remember the quote in the talk from the lady who was granted a wish and she said she could have everything, or she could have anything she wanted, and she chose adversity because adversity reminded her of God. And that might sound like a very sort of pat answer, but everybody faces adversity. We call it adversity, but somebody else you know, would look at it differently and they might say, well, it's not adversity, it's, that's just the way it is. What's wrong with it? From my own personal circumstance, I would think there's opportunity in adverse situations, in every adverse situation. And we just think, well, oh gosh, you know, if I didn't have this, it would be better. But it would be just different. It mightn't be better. So if we accept it, and accept it in the sense that this is perfect, and then respond appropriately. I don't mean accept it and sort of roll over. Just accept it, and now what's the next response? I don't wish to hog this, but is there not a danger that being grateful that you can lull yourself into a state of passive acceptance and you lose the, the kind of fire in the belly yeah. and your ambition and your drive and so on? No, I wouldn't accept that. <laughs> That's a, a fair question. I don't think gratitude leads you to do nothing and say, ah, sure, it's okay. I think what gratitude does is say, look, I'm really lucky. Now, what am I going to do? What's the response? It doesn't allow you to do nothing. It just allows you to acknowledge all that we have been given. So, again, if we are grateful for the love we have been given, we have a responsibility then to express that gratitude. And gratitude is about expression. So it's not about doing nothing. If there's no expression, I really believe that gratitude isn't complete without expression. So it's not passive, it's very active. Yeah. But just going to say that I just find that in times of adversity or when somebody does something something nasty or you feel resentment rather than gratitude or you get a run of bad luck where it seems like the world has gone really wrong yeah. and you're in the wrong place at exactly the wrong time. Okay. That one of the things I found very useful to ask myself, because I'm not an extremely patient person, was just when that sort of frustration starts to come upon me, just to ask, you know, what is this teaching me? What am I learning? And also with people that really irritate me, that I go, oh my God, here's that woman again. Sometimes I still ask that question, what is this teaching me? Okay. And what I have to say sometimes is that I'm utterly self-righteous compared to the other person. And then I say, I'm learning something. This gratitude in that. Yeah. Okay. And it's interesting, when you talk about frustration there, would you agree that frustration is a mild form of anger? That would be fair to say? The beginning of anger. So what's the cause of anger? Well, it's things not going the way I'd like them to go. That's what I found anger is. I think things should be different, so they're imperfect now. But that's my point of view. It could be that things are perfect. 
perfect in the sense that that's the way it is. Now, what's the response? So it doesn't mean you have to put up with something, but it is perfect because it is real. And to deny it is to pretend that it shouldn't be, but it is. So it's a good starting point to start from where things are and then move on. But moving on with anger is not going to help the situation. Anyway, this is all a lovely theory. Um, <laughs> the proof is in the eating. So it's really a question of testing it out. Not accepting it, not rejecting it, just testing it out in practice and seeing is it true or not. Michael. Just a question about the object of the gratitude, Kono. In the two examples that you gave since the break, one was the lady on the tea, but the other was not so clear. It was the example about the wind blowing in your face on the bicycle and you felt gratitude. Yeah. To whom or to what was that gratitude directed? And were you aware of to whom? of that whom or what to which it was directed. Yeah, that's, that's very good. While you were on the bike. While I was on the bike, yeah. <laughs> what I was aware of is that a moment before I had been unaware of the wind and then I was aware of the wind and I was aware, I was happy. There might have been a mental formulation like, thank you, God, but I don't think that was significant because I couldn't really say it was directed at anyone or anything. You could say maybe there was no expression of the gratitude. I don't know. In that particular situation, I just felt grateful for being alive at that moment. And I wasn't thanking a third party, if you like. And it was the same with saying thanks after the tea break there the thanks went from one person to another but there wasn't a sense of separation of another person to whom the gratitude was due does that make any sense? Sort of it's just that the conventional viewpoint of gratitude is from one being to, to, to another. another Yeah. and you seem to be flying in the face of that convention tonight well, I think the conventional viewpoint of it is that it's kind of like a transaction. You gave me a cup of tea, so I should be grateful. Well, just a point of consideration that gratitude is something else. It's not a mere, I owe you gratitude. If you go back to the quotation from that monk, just see that if it helps at all just to read a bit of that bit again. Real gratitude is a spontaneous feeling of appreciation and oneness. When we cultivate this kind of gratitude, we live in harmony with the underlying nature of the universe. And I love the bit where it says harmony, because there's something right about being in harmony with the universe. Not wasting energy. This is the way it's meant to be, and it's a question then of how do I play my part in this situation. Yeah, is that okay? That's fine. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, there's one question. At the beginning of the lecture, you mentioned jealousy and envy. You said you wouldn't go there. Now, I have just a particular interest in it because there's one emotion that's prohibited under the Christian rules, as I understand it, and that is, you know, nine and ten of the commandments is covet or jealousy, you know. So it's actually an emotion that's prohibited. 
And I just think that it's the one emotion that's doing a lot of damage in the world. Jealousy. Practically speaking, if it was identified, like Shakespeare identified it, as causing a lot of damage. Yeah. If it is identified, he described it as the green-eyed monster, the devil entering, you know. If it is identified and eliminated, a lot of things fall into place. So that's... Yeah, I just wonder, could you call jealousy or envy, could you call them a form of anger? The definition of jealousy is to want what someone else has. Okay, not being satisfied with the situation as it is. It's it's greediness. But it's wishing things were different. So I just think that anger is a great umbrella. There's a lot of things that we would think when we say, right, jealousy, but I think you can link jealousy to anger. Well, I think there's a separation. There's a separation is that, you know, there's justifiable anger, maybe, in some cases, whereas there's no justification for jealousy. People can get angry or frustrated, which I think is separate from the other one, which is a serious matter, you know. That's okay, so in a situation where I see somebody who has something that I want or that I would like and, and I'm jealous of, or envious of the other person, I, I'm definitely not grateful that they have it and I don't have it. So I just don't feel grateful in that situation. So I feel something other than gratitude. So I'm more likely to be unhappy or depressed or miserable. So if I could introduce gratitude into that situation, how could you be grateful and jealous or grateful and envious? It just wouldn't be possible. So I'm not sure if I'm answering your question. You are, yeah, 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 you touched upon it all right. It's right. One substitutes the other. You know. Yeah, and I do think that jealousy and envy are closely related to anger. I think anger is just like the generic word that holds lots of things. But the lovely thing about looking at anger is that it just seems to have one cause, me not getting my way. And jealousy is when I don't get my way, and envy is when I'm not getting my way. I just wish things were different than they are. And it, it's a refusal to accept what is here and now, which is here and now, whether I like it or not. Is that okay? Thank you. Michael asked me to come to this lecture with him tonight. I said okay, and I'm very grateful that I did, because just on a personal note, six months ago, our young daughter's marriage broke up. So in that time, there's been a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, a lot of anger, a sense of all sorts of emotions. But the one emotion that wasn't there, I have to admit, was gratitude. And tonight's lecture has given another possibility. So I want to say thank you for that. And maybe you could just say a little bit more on how introducing gratitude into a fraught situation that goes to the very heart, the core of your being and shakes you, your foundations, how that can actually help to come to terms with what has happened to your child. What happens to you is one thing, but what happens to your child, all your philosophy goes to one side. Yeah. I hope this isn't getting too personal. (laughs) No, I mean, the only answer that comes to mind here is to dwell on the things that we can obviously be grateful for and to start there. Start where it's easy. So there are so many things that we can be grateful for, even in adverse circumstances. So... It might not be possible to say, I'm grateful for everything, but what can I be grateful for? And that, if you like, gets things moving. So I can't give you a magic solution. I have no pat answer for a situation like that. 
if you look at the cycle of life, there is birth, growth, maturity, decay. It happens to everything. There are no exceptions. Nobody's exempt. Sometimes it happens earlier than we think. Sometimes it goes on longer than we think. That's the nature of it. But there's one thing that is exempt, and that's who we really are. And that's the one constant. But everything else changes. When I got married, I think, oh, yes, it's going to be happy ever after, you know, for 30, 40, 50 years. But that's the way I thought it was going to be. That doesn't mean that is the way it's going to be. So Are you grateful for your marriage? I think when I'm awake, I'm grateful for everything. And when I'm sort of in on myself, then I can be ungrateful. When you're grateful, you can't stay in. And you just focus on all the great things. There are so many things to be grateful for. Why dwell on the very few things that aren't going my way? Why not dwell on all the fantastic things that were mentioned in the talk? I take them for granted. Like, I would never get up in the morning and say, wow, air, again, <laughs> type of thing. This is amazing. Opening the curtain, window, the roads are still there. I'll be able to go to school. But they are. And it's great. In other countries, there's terrible air pollution or whatever. So... Floods, yeah. Same country. So there's so much to be grateful for. So I think if we dwell on that, everything else has a chance to get sorted out. Yeah, thank you. You've said something interesting there, if I picked it up correctly, that you are grateful when you're in the conscious state, but when you go in on yourself, in other words, you're going into your subconscious, yeah? No, I'm going uh, into my... changes to... I'm going into my ego. So when there's gratitude, there seems to be less ego. And when there's gratitude, the attention is going out. And there's no question of poor me or I wish things were different. Because with gratitude, there's no desire to change things. Because you couldn't be grateful for something and desire to change it at the same time. I don't think it's subconscious. I think it's just unconscious. When I'm ungrateful, I'm fundamentally not there. It's like the lights are on, but there's nobody at home. Does awareness come first? Does there have to be awareness for there to be gratitude? Like when you said the air on your face. It's like you're grateful because you've been made aware of it. It would sound like that, that there's awareness, and then there's a, a movement in the mind somewhere, or a movement in the heart and that movement is one of gratitude. But it sounds like there's awareness first. That awareness comes before everything is the sense that I get. I'm not sure how you could have mechanical gratitude. You'd get tired of it very, very quickly and you just switch off. Awareness is a great thing to practice, as it were, if one can practice that. If I'm aware of my ingratitude, that in itself is going to be useful because it's going to create a separation between the ingratitude and me. So that would be useful. I suspect you're right that awareness comes first. Some sort of awareness. That's how it sounds to me in the school. You know, it's all about being aware. Yes. And maybe the next step is to be grateful for that awareness. Yeah, well, it's interesting. Bienkowski doesn't talk about awareness at all. He just talks about gratitude and maybe that's just a different path so maybe he does start off I mean he says cultivate gratitude so it could be that it starts off and it's pretty rough type of stuff where you're trying to where is the goodness type of thing and somehow or other 
it finds you. It sounds to me like you can't do gratitude for very long. You just let it happen. And you might be able to do it for a while, but then I think it would just be tiring. If you practice it for a while, you get into the groove of it and it becomes more natural. And it kind of comes back to this quotation that I just find so interesting. Real gratitude is a spontaneous feeling of appreciation and oneness. So spontaneity, by definition, is you can't do spontaneity. You just have to allow it to happen. You can allow it to happen in awareness. So it definitely happens in awareness. Imagine a talk on spontaneity. You couldn't write it. You'd have to come in and see <laughs> what, what comes up. So I think awareness is the key. Yeah. Yes. Just before I came here this evening, I was talking to my friend on the phone and we were discussing the budget. And then suddenly she said, oh, I have to go. The police are coming. And the phone, I think, was thrown. So she rang me back then about uh, 10 minutes later and said that she'd been pulled over by the guards. And she got a fine and an 80 euro fine and two penalty points. But it was her attitude that impressed me. You know, she said, oh, well, you know, she, she didn't know I was coming here tonight. But she said, oh, look, I'm, I was wrong, she said. And she said, I'm grateful that I didn't bump into somebody. It could have been worse, she yeah, said. Exactly. You know, I, I could have hit somebody. Yeah. And the other thing I was going to say was that this year I experienced a death in my family and while it was the most difficult thing that I've ever gone through, I decided to accept, I think acceptance and gratitude are linked as well because in accepting it, I was able to be grateful for lots of things, you know, the time that we did have together, yes. the life that we had, you know, before and uh, the, all the things I've learned from my dad it was and grateful for the time that we had to prepare for his death and all those things. And also in accepting it, it helped me to be, enabled me to be stronger for other people as well. So yeah. just two things, which is acceptance yeah. and gratitude are linked. Oh, yeah, I think that's a very good point, yeah. Thank you. Conal, is it to help one to be grateful, maybe would it be better if you could feel grateful for the things you have, as in paying attention to all the positive things and not giving energy to the negative things that are happening in your life. And if you try and do that, it will help you focus more on the positive and that you won't be going into the negative. Well, that could be a good starting point. And the ending point could be that I would realise or we would realise that there is nothing negative in our lives, that that's just a label we put on things, that everything is perfect. Now, it might be hard to see that in the beginning, so you might like to start with the good things, the things that appear to be right. And the ones that appear to be bad, they might be seen in a different light then. So all the things that I think are wrong, they may not be wrong, but start where it's easy and move on from there. Yeah, thank you. Does the question sometimes come later? Say, for instance, if you feel a bit of anger for the way you treat it. Yes. You can't be grateful immediately. Well, when I was younger, yeah. I wasn't grateful. And I'm not saying I'm very grateful now, but I think I'm a bit more grateful now than I was. So yeah. the gratitude came later. The example given of the great English teacher, I wasn't grateful to him at the time. I didn't realise how lucky I was. But ideally I don't see why one would want to postpone gratitude if one can be grateful all the time here and now but you are right sometimes there are times when there isn't gratitude 
went to take some, somebody's put me down or you know they've done something wrong and accepting the fact that they've done something wrong. Um, I don't think gratitude involves rolling over. Yeah. But, you know, what's wrong with injustice? Let's have fun. Is that not lying to yourself? Oh, no, I, I mean accept it. This is an unjust situation, but I'm not going to be angry about it. I don't have to be angry about it. It's unjust. It may need to be changed. Is there anything to be grateful about it? Have a look and see, and then respond appropriately. See, again, injustice is a way of talking about good and bad. Anything that's unjust, as far as I'm concerned, it's bad. But that's my opinion. Somebody else may say, no, 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 that's just, it's good. So, which is it? That's why... Labelling things good or bad is difficult. The thing to do is go looking for a little bit of good in the situation, just a little bit, and then take it from there. When I find myself in an unjust situation, I'm usually angry. And the thing about anger is it arises because I think things should be different. And that may not be valid. And I'm just raising that as a question. So if you could be open to the possibility that things are meant to be this way, and there's, that's just the way it is, And only at this particular instant, it may then require a response. So, for instance, if you find yourself in a situation that is wrong, you can be grateful and then change it. Doesn't mean accept it, in the sense of let it go on and on and on. Yeah. Thank you. The situation, something that you don't like has happened to you, right? Someone has been unjust, in your opinion, in your experience. Yeah. What's there to be grateful for? Well, right now, what's there to be grateful for? There's so much to be grateful for no, right now. that's not the point. Well, the point is, is <laughs> you're in the situation, right? Take a situation where you've been very badly treated, in some form, abused, whatever. Like, you know, you, you can say that that's your opinion and that there might be another way of looking at it, which yeah. is valid. However, show me where the gratefulness is without having to manufacture it. I don't know if I can show it to you, or if it can be shown to anyone. I think we can only find it. I really just think you have to go out there and find it. There isn't an answer. There is an answer at an intellectual level, but it might not satisfy. So it's a question of going out and finding out, is there something to be grateful for in every situation, in all situations? Because you know, I can think of lots of situations that I wouldn't like to be in and situations that I have been in that I wished I wasn't in. But there was good in all of them. I know I'm not answering your question satisfactorily, but I think you have to start with the things to be grateful for and move on from there. And then the other things, they might not be so significant or they might be seen from a different point of view. But I do tend to blow things out of proportion at certain times. Something's not going my way, and I can imagine, you know, what's going to happen, how it's going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. And then I realise, that's just my imagining it. So why put myself through all that? We don't need to be grateful for a bad situation. Is, is Jankowski suggesting that we need to be grateful for bad situations and that there's always something to be grateful for? It could be ludicrous, okay? And, I mean, this is just a talk to, to stimulate, okay? So, but it, to stimulate in a practical sense. So, it could be ludicrous, or it could be totally valid. I don't know the answer. And I've no problem not knowing the answer. I just think that we can all go off here and become virtual scientists with our white coats and go and see if we can find an answer. And that would be the really useful answer.
So I don't think we need to go out seeking adverse circumstances. I just think there's enough in the life to keep us going and just to ask the question, well, what is there to be grateful for here? Once there's gratefulness, there can't be unhappiness. I think you got clamped today, right? Okay. So at the moment of being clamped, what could you be grateful for? Okay. We always think that at a particular moment, this is all that's happening. But there's lots of good things happening at the same time. So why not focus on them? You never get a moment devoid of things to be grateful for. In that moment, that was just one thing that was happening. There were so many other things that were happening in your life at that moment. So why dwell just on the one thing that isn't going right? The body was breathing, it wasn't raining, everybody was healthy. All those things were going on at exactly the same time as the clamping was going on. So in the context, what's the clamping? Thank you. Yeah. Cornell, after listening to that girl there, I had an experience one night, and I have to say I honestly did feel grateful for this situation. I was out one night, and I had too many glasses of wine to drink, and I left the car behind me on the road, and the next day I got the taxi into town to pick up the car. I had a parking fine on it, and it was also removed somewhere. Francis Street and it was clamped as well so I had the two things to pay and I came back and I just laughed at myself and I said thank God I didn't kill anybody thank God I didn't drive the car home with too much wine and that's how I saw it that night and that was a lived experience I had yeah okay so that was good thank you very much you saved me (laughs) 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 yeah there's a man up here yeah if you saw someone very close to you, child or that die of cancer, and you know you're sad. Where is the joy or gratitude? In it's hard to find. Like so this lady has direct experience, so she's going to answer the question for me. So your question is going to be answered, I think. Well, yeah. I don't know. I like speak from the heart, but I experienced that where my dad had cancer, and um, I genuinely can say I do feel grateful for a lot of things, for having the time with him before he died. I now have a whole different attitude towards death and towards people who are suffering. Um, So I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for my mom who's still living. I'm grateful for the fact that it brought our family closer. I'm grateful for the hospice nurses who came out and the stories that I heard from them about other families. And I'm, I'm grateful for my own life every day. I'm grateful for the time that we had before he died. I'm grateful for all the things that that he taught me while he was alive. I'm grateful for the memories. I'm grateful that he's not suffering anymore. I'm grateful for the fact that I get to speak about him a lot through my job and talking to other people and hoping that they can learn from me. So I'm grateful for an awful lot of things that I I can't even express. (laughs) Just some of them. Thank you. Thank you very much. I think it's probably time to start thinking of wrapping it up. Are there any more... Gratitude seems to be something that's connected. Your attitude, like the nature of your, your being, you could say, is it something that can be learned? Cause you could argue that a child who's taught to say thank you all the time will grow up, and maybe a person who's taught in certain situations to always see the better points will always find the better points apart compared to a person who wasn't taught. So can you learn gratitude? Yeah. Well, the suggestion is that we can learn gratitude, and it may be harder for some people than it is for others, but it's, the suggestion is that, one, is yes, we can cultivate the habit of it, and two, it would be very useful to do it. Yeah. And it's just a question of starting. So just start and see what happens. Thank you. Yeah. I'll take one more then. Just the lady at the back. Thank you. 
just in relation to envy and jealousy do you really want something or think that life isn't fair and you should have whatever the object of your envy has sometimes how you wanted something and then you get it and you don't actually have this lovely feeling of value from it or this is great now I've got it's an emptiness sometimes. So it was puffed up in my mind, is that it? And it, was, it wasn't as good. Yeah. yeah. Or is what we want what we need. Yeah. And in relation to what you were saying about the English teacher, I had an experience as well like that, of something in my school. But I think that you're not grateful because you're ignorant of the blessing. You don't become aware of the value until you become maybe mature in your thinking and therefore you're not grateful at the time. Yeah. You don't realise yeah. this is very valuable. <coughs> but I believe. So that's yeah. Great. Well, can I just thank you very much for coming this evening? The second half has been really great. Uh, great questions and great observations. Um, and this definitely is a work in progress, and thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. And